Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Like a reboot? Because didn't her character die in one of them? They've had well, like yeah, hey, 10 man, of them, like, right? It's, it's, it's the J.J. Abrams timeline or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the reboot timeline? <laughs> yeah, the J.J. Abrams universe, right? <laughs> right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 165 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I'm in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. All right. Okay, so we have some follow-up items here. First of all, the uh, app, we talked about this before, the Apple UI design resource uh, page. Um, these are um, some templates that Apple has provided for uh, Photoshop, Sketch, and Adobe XD, which I'm not really sure what that is. I think something to do part of the Creative Cloud uh, offering that they have, as well as updates to the human interface guidelines for iOS. Um, but these are templates that include the new uh, iPhone 10 uh, profile. As I mean, the iPhone 8 is the same as iPhone 7 and 6 in terms of those, those sizes. So there's some new resources there in terms of what you can download for uh, creating your layouts. Um, they also have some new layouts for watchOS, uh, tvOS, and uh, if you're doing any marketing, they have some some imagery you can download as well and some instructions on how to use those. But I think in we talked about the HIG uh, human interface guidelines, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, where they had updated them for the uh, how to avoid the notch, as it were, right? So and that's just a quick update on the Apple UI design resources for people to use. Some real time follow up here. So I just looked up Adobe XD because I had no idea what that is. I found this website that is um, Adobe Experience Design CC. I assume that's Creative Cloud Beta. So it's yeah, in beta yeah. right now for Mac OS 10 and uh, Windows 10 anniversary update, according to this website. So it looks kind of like like sketch you know it's a lot more of a simple sort of layout uh, as opposed to everything you might have for like photoshop or illustrator so i assume it's geared towards doing um, user experience design right yeah and I, I signed up for it when it was first announced but then i realized i don't have creative cloud so i haven't really been able to get much out of it um as it, as it was being released over a lot over the summer and spring i believe um second follow-up item is the history of ms dos we talked about ms dos last week when we were talking about the file systems and cpm and 
and uh, I've forgotten his name, Gary Kildall. Um, and I just thought, it, first of all, the first interesting note about this is, I don't know if you remember back in the day, and Jaime, you might remember this from the Windows side, is uh, the f- the extension name used to be HTM as on Windows and HTML on, on Mac. And I love the fact that mm-hmm. the file name is actually an 8.3 formatted file name. But, file name. but this uh, digital research company is the same company that Mark mentioned last week. Was it called, was, what was it called before? Interplanetary Intergalactic Digital Research. Digital Research is the full name. Right. They, yeah, they shortened it down to Digital Research. They still exist, as, as at least as an, as an org or a, biz, a dot biz. And they have a uh, interesting um, story on the history of MS-DOS and PC-DOS. And if you read through it, you, they do have the story that I kind of talked about that I picked up from from lore in the third paragraph about, you know, the people flying planes and wife's ki- wife killing deals and stuff like that. But apparently those were, um, I've forgotten the word we used when we talked about the uh, Nova story, but uh, these are apocryphal, is that it? They're, um, these the, the stories you've heard about uh, the history of MS-DOS and Microsoft's role in it is not quite true, but this explains, you know, how uh, the uh, cre- creation of an 8086 operating system was created and became PC-DOS at one point and MS-DOS at another point. Um, and uh, yeah, so finally uh, a good a little bit of history on MS-DOS itself. So good read, not, not too long, if you're interested in that kind of stuff. Yeah, the poll quote here is, MS-DOS has no practical limit on disk size. MS-DOS uses 4-byte Xenix OS compatible pointers for file and disk capacity up to 4, count them, 4 gigabytes. Right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you've ever formatted a drive for Windows, you'll know back in the day, you couldn't, I think after once you got to a 4-gig drive, you couldn't uh, do any DOS on it at all. So and that has, would have to do with that limit. All right, let's see. Oh, um, yeah. So we talked again about uh, um, Toronto's bid for Amazon to become Amazon's second headquarters. But I found this article, I think when I was uh, putting the show out um, and on the weekend, that there is a list here from uh, CNBC of, and they sort of rated what Amazon's looking for uh, in terms of what uh, capabilities or, or features these particular places have, population, proximity to airports, that kind of stuff. And they, they've created a nice little chart here and they've rated each city by its uh, its ability to match the criteria that uh, Amazon would be looking for. If this if this was the only criteria that Amazon was going to going to use, um, Atlanta comes out number one. I think that was one of the ones that uh, Greg had mentioned to me. Baltimore is another one. Um, I think Toronto is number ten on the list, and Montreal. Oh, sorry, further down the page here, where it says how they stack up. So New York City is is the number one uh, with the most number of things: universities, uh, labor force, uh, the education of labor force. Um, and proximity to airports. Atlanta is another good option. Chicago, San Francisco, Boston, Washington, LA, Dallas, Miami, and then Toronto in the 10th position. Montreal is way down around 19 or 20. Uh, San Jose is just above Montreal there, Mark. Sorry to say that. Yeah, interesting. So, uh, <laughs> Well, it's interesting, though, that both San Francisco and San Jose are on the list where yeah. it's really one extended metropolitan area. So sure, if they yeah, put yeah. the office mm-hmm. sort of halfway in between they could merge the two and and uh, maybe get a single entry even higher up on the list. Right. Well, technically, Toronto's airport is actually in Mississauga. So is it Mississauga? I'm pretty sure it is. Um, so, but but it's considered, like, like it's, I think, very similar to, like, where you are, or even, like, New York or L.A. All of our sort of boroughs all kind of blend into one big long drive, right? So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, not much, just the odd park here and there, but there's no green space between them anymore. We just keep filling them, filling them in with houses so, and factories and that kind of stuff. So um, It's an interesting analysis. And I think I think I've got a, a a hole in my understanding. Like the, 
the ones that are here in the top five are certainly not surprising to me, except for Atlanta as to how high. I knew Atlanta would probably be top 10. I didn't think they'd end up yeah. being top three, top two. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the reality of, of Chicago or New York, really, I mean, like just in terms of, um, you know, rent space and that kind of stuff, uh, wouldn't that be a factor in terms of what they would choose, right? Hypothetically, uh, like like yeah. that's one I think that, that can't be discounted because otherwise I think you probably boost San Francisco um, and that whole Bay Area up quite a bit if, if cost is not a concern. Yeah. So what's the cost of living like in Chicago? Is it is a high, you know? Relative you know, to what? Knows. Probably lower than Seattle. Well, say, well, San Francisco and New York are, are notoriously high, high cost of living, right? So and they're, right. they're mm-hmm. one and four, right? So, yeah, so I would expect Chicago would be lower given that it's in the Midwest, but compared to the surrounding area, of course, it's going to be it's going to be higher than the more rural areas in the Midwest. Sure, yeah, yeah. And Boston is kind of like a there's a lot of in Boston is a, is a sort of small peninsula, but there's all this brain tree and all that kind of stuff and around there, right, Mark? There's a lot of oh yeah, 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 kind of. Well, some would argue this, Brawl, but, but it's brawls, is most of for, most right? of New England is kind of a suburb of Boston these days. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right, right. So, yeah, I wouldn't see them putting it in Vancouver either. Vancouver is, well, it's, of course, it's very close to Seattle. That's one knock against it. Um, so where is Amazon from? Seattle. Seattle. Okay, like, I don't yeah. know where they're actually incorporated because they're probably, like, Microsoft is here, but it's, like, incorporated in Delaware or New Mexico or something. Oh, yeah, because of the, you know, the, the um, laws or whatever. Tax or tax reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reasons, yes, reasons. But, I mean, it, it, the headquarters right now uh, is in Seattle. And this HQ2 right. headquarters, too, um, will be, I don't know, the, the list of well, cities would, in here is kind of interesting. There are some real obvious ones, but I, I wouldn't have considered like, I don't know, Jacksonville, Florida to be on the list. I'm a little surprised that, that that would be on there versus like some others. Sure. Yeah. And one of the things that they talk about here is they, in their, their rating of these places, they decided not to look at Mexico at all because they figured the blowback from the current government would be, would be too harsh if they chose to go down there. So. Yeah. That would be a double, uh, a double whammy on that one. But if you use that same uh, criterion, you would remove all the Canadian cities as well. Yeah. Probably yeah. less harshly than than Mexico, given the, the rhetoric that's going around. But um, if you're going to use that as criteria at all, I think you'd have to remove the Canadian ones. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting little uh, tidbit there on the Amazon decision. We'll have to see. I think the uh, the 19th is the end of the um, proposal. So we should be, uh, the fervor will die down and we'll we hopefully we'll find out soon when they, what they decide, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or not, or not. So yeah, I posted this uh, story about the IRS is paying Equifax millions millions of dollars for a login system that has been hacked twice in the past. And um, I'm not 100% sure what the Equifax story is. I just sort of been sort of seeing it like out of the corner of my eye. You guys have an idea what the story, you know, the, the leak from Equifax was recently affecting lots of people? Well, I don't know all the details, but yeah, they got they got hacked in some way and, and many, many, many millions of people had their information uh leaked or exposed so they were sure yeah they were trying to scramble because they're they're supposed to yeah there's one of the the big credit agencies that decide whether you can get a mortgage or not right so if they're if they're not secure then you know what's what's going on something's really really not good there so they were offering all sorts of protection plans and people were talking about suspending their uh they're you know, have it, suspending the the, re, the reporting of their credit to you know shut, shutting down all requests of of uh, you know of credit reports and all that to just uh, try to protect to try to protect themselves and it, it's just all around kind of a bad scene. I mean it's it's really only a problem I guess if if you're planning to uh, you know make a big purchase like a house or something in the near future. Otherwise it's not too big of a deal. But you know if your credit rating gets 
screwed up, then you're it's it's just a bad thing all around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on our side of the the border, there we're not so so clean. I guess. Well, I, I sorry, this is a story more about Netflix than about Canada per se. But it's an interesting story that's come out recently. It's it's you know made the headlines here on the news, or not quite the headlines, but it's been a story that they talked about, and that is that Netscape or sorry Netflix <laughs> Netscape Netflix has um, has offered to pledge to spend five hundred million dollars in Canadian production, you know, uh, of uh, TV shows and things like that over the next uh, couple of years, five years or so, um, because there's been some question amongst some of our politicians and, you know, I guess uh, policymakers about the fact that Netflix doesn't pay sales tax in Canada for their um, numbers. And it's kind of, I was kind of thinking about this this morning, like how much do you think potentially Netflix should be paying Canada if they think that a $500 million pledge will satiate us from chasing them? Follow me? Yeah. <laughs> what I, I don't really, I mean, obviously don't read the Globe and Mail, so I don't know where their editorial stance tends to be. But um, the gist of what I'm reading here is that Canadian law seems to be well out of pace with uh, where content distribution has gone. Like, I mean, right, yeah. I, I would guess that under Canadian law, and I'm, not, I'm definitely not a lawyer, I'm definitely not a Canadian lawyer, I'm assuming that Netflix is definitely not a broadcaster in the way that broadcasters have been thought about for decades. They're definitely a distributor, and maybe they fall under right. you know, some sort of totally different rules. So they're probably well within the law on, on most things, just uh, not within the spirit, right? They're, they're within the letter, but not within the spirit is what I'm, I'm hearing. And it sounds like some of that is not necessarily uh, Netflix's fault per se, although I guess they could lobby hypothetically to tax themselves some more and, and put themselves under restrictions like the uh, the Canadian content quota. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's kind of funny. We've had some, we used to have a provincial tax here. We used to have a, a federal tax called GST. And um, I know that when, when I was back in the reseller days, if you were like a reseller or, you know, like if you were buying something and then reselling it to somebody else, you didn't have to pay for provincial sales tax all the way. It was the end user would pay the sa- the provincial sales tax, right? And they had a sort of funny rule about if you, if I if I made a website for you, for instance, this is going back like 10 years or so. If I made a website for you and I delivered it to you online, it was not taxable. But if I put it on a CD-ROM drive or if I printed it out on paper and handed it to you, the fact that I'm handing you a tangible good is taxable, right? So they changed that rule and, and they you know, got rid of that or they glommed it all together into one harmonized sales tax. They call it now an HST. But but there was that sort of loose rule about, you know, and, and it was all about tangible stuff. And I remember thinking at the time that, you know, a lot as as I saw more services and, and goods going towards being digitally delivered, that there was going to be a problem with that, right? So I kind of kind of wonder though, like Apple charges sales tax, right? Like when when I buy a, 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 a you know the right to download Blade Runner, for instance, from iTunes Store, I don't actually own the movie, right? I own the right to use it and watch it and enjoy it, right? But Apple charges me sales tax for that for that uh, purchase. Same thing with if I buy an app on the App Store, right? Um, you could argue that those are just ones and zeros, just like the the Netflix. Netflix thing that's coming to me, right? So should they pay sales tax for that, which is now 1099 in Canada, 1099 Canadian? Um, I think they're kind of covered their tracks too because they 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 just recently raised the price to 1099. And they're trying to say that they're trying to make sure that people understand that that was just an increase in 
you know, typical increase in business, right? Um, they need to they need to get more money back, but and we don't know. I mean, we're all guessing. We all assume that you know, sixty percent of the households out there are are watching Netflix and enjoying it regularly, right? So yeah, let me address that one point uh, as an American um, because it says here, for starters, the company is arguing in a new blog post that its recent price increase in Canada was in no way related to the promised investment in right. Canada, but yeah. was rather already in the works. I'm going to say that's probably demonstrably true because they raised prices as far as I could tell everywhere, including sure. the United yeah. States, where my my rate is going up too. And I, I'm pretty sure they didn't need to do that just so they could you know uh, pony up the cash for 500 million dollar investment in Canada. I'm, I'm, it was unfortunate timing given <laughs> everything that was going on, but I, I think it was in no way related. Uh, Mark, uh, California has a sales tax, right? Yeah, they do, of course. And it's one. It's one. It's like, as I understand, it's one of the benchmarks for American taxes from as an observer from outside, right? Is it? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's one of the exceptions. California sales tax. I hear about that a lot. But um, do you pay sales tax on your Netflix subscriptions in the states? It's a good question. Um, or maybe it's part of the price. I guess right. It might be built into the price. I don't know. I yeah. have to check. Yeah, I don't know either. But it looks like California's statewide tax rate is 7.25 percent yeah, that's really high yeah. uh they, well it's 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 lower than the washington state but we oh, are because really? oh, ours is like 8.9 ish probably more um but we don't have an income tax for the state mm. so that probably makes it balance out somewhere yeah quite a bit actually our our income tax is fairly high and plus we have municipal taxes so my sales tax rate is more like eight and a quarter than seven and a quarter but that varies from place to place. So you mean at the end of the year you have to pay like federal tax and you have to also pay state tax as well? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have a similar thing here in, in uh, Ontario. We have Ontario tax and then we have federal tax and it all ends up adding up to quite a bit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For indie developers, I would guess you would probably want to be someplace like parts of Texas that are not so expensive because there's uh, no income tax and their sales tax is like 8.25%, I think. So, mm-hmm. and, and cost of living is definitely way lower than it would be in Washington state or California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Calgary used to have no tax either, but because they're another oil producer. But um, they recently, I think they're recently are talking about adding tax and back in again. So yeah, interesting stuff. You know, there's only a couple of things that are sure in life: death and taxes, right? So yeah, maybe indeed. the best place for an indie developer is Alaska because you actually get a rebate every year. <laughs> this is true. Ooh. This is true. Yeah, yeah, every here, yeah. every citizen of Alaska gets money back at the end of the year because they have all the uh, the oil income and and uh, and other things like that. So rather than paying taxes, they they actually, everyone gets a payout every year. Right, right. Nice. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, was it 2016 or 2015? So Josh Michaels did a, a keynote at 360 iDev and he talked about, you know, he was making, he's, he's one of the few people who makes a living as an independent developer, right? Or at least at the time he was saying, and the gist of his thing was he moved away from a big metropolis to a smaller community and found that he was able to, because he reduced the cost cost of living, mm-hmm. he could support himself through through making apps, right? So mm-hmm. um, that was his, I forgot where he moved to. but Was it within the, U- the U.S.? Because I've heard of folks yeah, yeah, doing yeah, something no, like yeah, that and US. they moved to like Costa Rica, which apparently is very favorable, in addition to being very beautiful from what I hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, he, uh, yeah, it was, it was the gist of his story was was that uh, he, because he wanted to be uh, an independent developer, he moved out of whatever metropolis he was living in at the time to a smaller place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can't seem to find 
And uh, I think it was probably, I think last year I was there was 2015. Not, not, I mean, I was there just recently this year, but 2015, I think was the last, was that was probably the year he did the keynote. And maybe I'll find a link to his talk and uh, link it into the show notes. Um, yeah, I mean, so, it makes yeah. it makes complete sense. If you can live in a place where $80,000 just to pull a number out of the air is considered a good salary uh, versus a place where $200,000 a year is considered a good salary, then it's much easier to be an indie developer because those numbers are, are just uh, set by Apple and based on sales around the world. So they're, so it's just a, it's, it's just the same. If you're equally as good uh, indie developer in, in one place as the other, you're still going to make that same amount from Apple. And so it goes a long way in some of the cheaper further, places. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's just interesting that they don't charge different prices based on the state in which you live, you know, or the, the city in which you live, right? Yeah, that, that would probably that. be uh, untenable. Yeah. Like, that's an insane yeah. explosion. I mean, can you, can you imagine? So let's take a $10 app, right? So the $10 app in $10 in Toronto goes further than $10 does in San Francisco, doesn't it? I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, so so in theoretically, I'm paying a higher price for apps than you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. I guess. All right, let's move on. So, Jaime, you got a story here about uh, Xcode 9.1? Yes, it's a quick blog post from the uh, official Swift, uh, Swift.org from Apple blog about Xcode 9.1 improving the display of fatal errors, which will be great because as they describe here, nowadays what you get is something awful like exe bad instruction or other sort of cryptic things and you kind of have to scratch your head and wonder like, oh, oh, it must have been that optional that was uh, unwrapped and, and bombed out. Uh, they're making it better as they show in the screenshot here. It will show you stuff like fatal error, unexpectedly found nil while unwrapping an optional value, which is great because then you can more easily find what the problem is instead of sort of wondering how you got into this very sad state. Uh, they do note that for this improved experience is only available when the app's entry point is written in Swift, i.e. your app delegate with the at UI application main or NS application main attribute is set. Ah, right. Mm-hmm. So I haven't I haven't tried this out to, to see how it works, but uh, what they're advertising here looks really nice. Yeah, I, I hope this is real because I'm really excited about this. If it is, I'm, I'm running into lots of issues like you described where I just get weird errors with no stack trace and no no error message or especially with core data right now i'm doing a lot with swift and core data and there's just no kinds of error messages that are that are useful at all and and there there used Mm. to be when i was back and back using objective c and doing a lot of core data you could actually get some information out of the error messages and and, uh, it, you know, it's actually possible to debug some of this stuff, but now it's just, just completely cryptic. And, and in fact, even worse, some things that are supposed to be caught by do catch statements just crash outright, which is, which is yeah, really annoying. Right, yeah. 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 So I really hope this is going to make a big difference. Looking forward to this. Right. So let me ask a quick follow-up question. Are you using the nullability attributes when you're using core data? Well, I'm in Swift, so. Oh, oh so that part is in Swift. Okay. Okay. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because we saw some weirdness where uh, a lot of our core data stuff, in fact, probably most of it is in Objective-C. And mm-hmm. the first pass-through just to get things to compile was like, well, assume non-nil <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> for yeah. everything or, or assume null. I can't remember which one we used. And that turned out to be kind of a pain. So we kind of yeah, selectively you, you went in and said, all right. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After you've been doing core data for a while, you start to get used to some of these pretty verbose uh, coding patterns where you know you pretty much anytime you do a fetch you have to check whether you actually got the thing and whether it's the right class or the right, the right type and all that and, and it's yeah it's it's pretty verbose but you know core data when it works it works great when it isn't working so nice it's it's pretty maddening as, right, right. as we've all found 
Yeah. All right. So next we have Jaime again, reverse engineering iSierra supplemental update. Yes, this is a blog post on uh, Cocoa Engineering, which is by uh, Daniel Martin. And oh, right, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you saw this story about the disk utility in yeah, High Sierra. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oops, it's displaying it's displaying your darn password as the hint. Uh, if you don't remember, you can say, uh, you know, enter a password to unlock this particular disk if you've encrypted it. And it gives you a hint, which might be like, hey, uh, remember that time we went on holiday or something, right? If, if you're using that sort of thing for your password. Um, there was a little oopsie there. <laughs> and, and people were not very happy that the hint displays your actual password, which is not good. And in this blog post, he goes through and tries to reverse engineer what he believes to be the reason. And it looks like it happens to be a copy and paste error in the source code where uh, uh, they're setting some sort of like dictionary keys. And if you, I mean, if you're looking at Objective-C in particular, um, like those dictionary keys, like they could be anything, right? There's strings. It doesn't care which one's which. There's no like typing information you can put. Um, and it looks like it, it, it's the same line twice that ends up, you know, setting that value. And he goes even further into like, well, uh, why did this bug not reproduce when you use the command line? It looks like the UI and the command line utility use different code paths. Which is uh, which is an extra bummer, and then he also uh, gives a couple of uh, tips as to like or, or you know bits of like hey well how could this have been prevented and and I think I agree with both um, I think unit testing of some sort would have uh, been able to catch this sort of uh, copy and paste error and uh, code review uh, might have caught it too and, and arguably should have so um, I don't know the particulars of the disk utility I've, I've heard that at Apple a lot of these um, smaller utilities and apps might literally be like one person who does this sort of thing um, and so there may not have been anybody available to actually you know do these sorts of bits so this raises a general topic so how are you guys feeling about high sierra and i guess xcode 9 and ios 11 and all, all that uh in terms of stability and bugs and I, well, I haven't played. I haven't played around with uh, with High Sierra very much. I have it installed on Carol's computer, which I don't use that much for day to day stuff. But and I asked Carol today because I, I've mentioned a few times that my it seems to be better. iOS eleven seems to be better now that I've updated to eleven point one. Uh, although I have heard a few people complain about it, but I still find that the the touch screen gets locked out. Like it just doesn't respond for you know a good number of seconds when changing you know opening and closing apps and things like that. And I thought maybe it was because I'm on an iPhone six, but Carol has a you know a late model iPhone seven. Uh, she got one last year, and um, or just you know the, the last round, she got the red one, the the product red. And she was saying that hers does the same thing. Like when she switches from one view to another, or whatever. That sometimes you just you tap on something and you expect it to open, and it just doesn't. You know, um, it's really frustrating. That's one thing I've noticed. And so there's an oddness there. And there's also I think you mentioned that you were having that issue with your uh, iPad saying that you know you need to unlock your iPad for mm-hmm. iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been having the same thing with mine since even before I went to High Sierra or even before I went to iTunes 12.7, which I think is the latest version, right? So there's, it's it does seem to be that they're they're like in, like bridging off this example here where the, you know, the QA or, you know, code review or somebody, a bunch of people missed this error, really can't throw it under one, throw one guy under the bus, I don't think. Um, but it, there does seem to be a number of issues that are happening lately that seem to be more apparent than, than not. I've heard of people going back and down 
downloading their or downgrading their phones to 1033 to and they're happier having done that so there seems to be some issues with the uh, code quality right yeah but haven't we been having the same conversation for three years now when every new release comes out yeah that's true that's true <laughs> but but yeah but it, it's funny though like like some things are frustrating and some things are really frustrating right like yeah like when the ui is blocky i mean you know that's that's not the same thing as oh i can't get i can't you know use well in some cases like air sharing or whatever things that don't work like that or but but yeah this is you know when when you when the phone you've been using for the last three years has been fine until the latest update you know or two uh that's ridiculous right how, how about you i know you complained about some of the things you errors in in xcode and stuff like that but how are you finding Hi, i've been a little bit frustrated with xcode 9 hi sierra has been okay for me so far uh i haven't really done too much out of the ordinary with it but xcode 9 has been a little frustrating there's been a lot of crashes and and just things just not quite working right but when i think back i, I gotta be honest when i think back to say when xcode 4 came out that was <laughs> yeah. a major major hassle <laughs> yeah. uh you so, forgot about xcode 6 too xcode 6 was pretty bad too yeah so this one is not that bad i have to say i mean it's it's frustrating like everything else and hopefully this 9.1 will fix a lot of the bugs and and it'll it'll be a lot more solid uh, yeah for me oh sorry uh were you, were you going to go through all the the things because tim said i sierra xcode and ios 11 did you cover them all oh uh i covered enough that i yeah the ones i have opinions <laughs> on yeah. uh for me I, i've actually not upgraded to high sierra yet uh, just as a uh, having gotten around to it and i decided wisely not to do so right before my uh conference presentation because it was the same week i decided not to, to tempt the demo gods on that one um i think i might hold off until the point one release just given some of the the quibbles that i've heard from folks uh i immediately jumped on ios 11 and it, it had some rough edges but i feel like the point releases the, the bug fix releases have made it seem more stable or maybe i've just internally normalized uh whatever quirks it might have yeah um i've not there's a really new one had... today by the way i don't know if you guys saw it 11.0.3 yep, uh, yeah I, I downloaded yeah. that one i didn't notice any real differences with that one yeah. so I, I guess i didn't have uh, any of the bug fixes uh, or I, I didn't encounter anything that they they fixed mm -hmm. um as far as xcode 9 uh, i'll split it into two halves on the one half i think I, i've not run into any of the stability problems with the the one exception of um map kit being an utter dog <laughs> mm. in the simulator um and I'm, I'm hoping there's a fix for that there's there's like a weird hack you can do where you can take like one of the beta versions like OpenGL frameworks or something and shove it into the right spot in your disk and it'll work better so it seems like it's some weird regression they had from performance for that but other than that uh, xcode 9 has not crashed on me or done anything um sort of bug wise weird uh, i've just been more frustrated that i've had to either change settings that um were the defaults before like for uh like command click and something else that used to do something different um that now doesn't and kind of boggle my mind and also the way that they change the refactoring for renaming, you know, renaming in scope is like, I don't know, command option. I don't know. I can't remember. I, I do it with like just with my fingers. So I can't even remember what it is. It's like control, con control command E, I think is what the, the, the keyboard shortcut is. And it used to be that that would bring up the scope uh, for everything. And, you know, I just could like rename a variable and I could see it renaming everywhere. And then I get out of that mode by hitting escape and I can just move around. Right. Um, somebody apparently decided that hitting escape should undo the changes that you made, which <laughs> confused the heck out of me the first time that I did it because of muscle memory. I was like, what? I was like, is that a bug? Did I just hit it? I was like, wait, no, let me go through this carefully. Let me see what the diff shows in Git. Oh no, I actually, I, I did make the change and it undo 
and did it. What the heck? So I think that was more of like a design decision problem than it was a you know, software quality bug problem. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I actually really like what they did in Xcode with source control with Git. Just having that extra screen with all your branches and being able to click on it and just see the history all in one spot is pretty nice. Have you played with this at all? No, but that that reminds me that you just pointed out one problem I've forgotten that I do have with Xcode, and that's I don't see my my current branch when I'm looking in under source oh, control. Oh, but you but you can. It's just in a different place. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So if you go in the uh, the list on the left where your files are, yeah, uh, in the oh. yeah, there's the row of icons above where you can select your files. Oh, you and there's select... like the repo one there. Yeah. If you just click on that, oh. it will tell you which one you're currently checked oh, you have checked currently. out oh okay cool and there's yeah. my history look at that oh yeah yeah that's pretty nice yeah it still can't do everything it still can't do things like cherry picking and and uh and uh, you know uh other you know other git things uh but uh, you know it, it but it's but it's still it's it's a lot nicer than it was right true yeah i need to check that out because i out of old habits, I have not used that because I usually have a desktop dedicated to the command line and Git Tower, the visual client I use. But mm-hmm. it certainly would be convenient to at least look at some things that don't require switching context uh, to a completely different screen yeah. Um, yeah. just within Xcode itself. So I'll have to investigate that. Yeah. I still trust the command line ultimately as the as the ultimate truth for Git stuff. But, you know, Xcode still has its uses for that stuff. The real test is if Xcode's visual uh, Git editor will tell you the truth regarding core data file changes, which is thing that, like the main reason I constantly use the command line. Mm. Where he has those like dot something folders, I forget what they are, that don't necessarily show up in visual editors unless you hit refresh. Mm. I was like an old pro tip I used to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other thing that's well, just bad in general that it's not really any worse in Xcode than in command line, but. But merge conflicts on storyboards are always not fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I thought they were fixing that up in iOS Xcode 9, no. storyboard conflicts. One of the new features. Get merge conflicts? I don't, no, no, storyboard conflict. Yeah, merge conflict. Yeah. Oh, uh, if if there are, that would be cool. But I haven't uh, I haven't looked into that. I haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. Anywho. All right, let's uh, look at... Oh, the next one is just prices. I was going to put this on here until I noticed that Jaime put it there too. The uh, password one, the privacy one. Yeah, continuing with our theme of security, it seems. Uh, un- unintentionally so, just all of this stuff came out at the same time. Well, last week, we talked about Felix Krauss and you know, his uh, security analysis of uh, the photos framework and, and all sorts of interesting location stuff you can get from EXIF data that the photos framework would just happily give you as long as you have that permission. Um, this one is a little different. This one is more talking about the sort of overall system design as well as the user experience design for your Apple ID password. And uh, here he shows like how you can just create like this phishing pop-up that just, you know, it looks exactly like the uh, sign into the iTunes store sort of uh, pop up. Uh, of course, it does not act exactly the same because there there are some limitations that uh, system pop-ups have versus, you know, the sort of alerts that apps can do. But I have to admit that there have been times where I have kind of wondered, I was like, uh, did I do something that would co- hypothetically cause some sort of iTunes or Apple ID session to have been invalidated? Should I really be getting this pop-up? I don't know. I'm going to hit cancel here and then see what breaks. Because I've been wondering, like, am I getting fished in this sort of way, right? 
right? Like, uh, as he points out here in this, in this blog post, it's certainly been my experience. Like that stuff would just pop up randomly for no reason. And it won't be real clear why it, it's happening. And so it, it sort of conditions users to get used to hey, whatever you see this darn pop up, just go ahead and put in your Apple ID password. And that's a, that's a huge uh, security problem for, uh, for folks, uh, because as he demonstrates here, and, and thankfully he's not open sourcing the code. So at least it's slightly harder for, uh, narrow do wells to, to get into the situation here. Um, it Except really wouldn't be the that idea hard on how to do it. Right. I mean, I've, I've, I've often wondered about that because there isn't anything in the design that, uh, that Apple can prevent per se, right? Like they haven't put anything into it. Like, Oh, this will take like you as he mentions here. Yeah. yeah. This will take you to the settings app, which, um, apps can't control that. Right. Uh, there's only like a limited, uh, sort of control they can do with that sort of thing. So they can't, if they had something that's like, Oh, uh, for reasons unknown, you need to enter your iTunes, uh, password, your uh, Apple ID password, click here and it'll take you to the settings app. And then the settings app, you can go navigate your way and, and update your Apple ID information. Okay. That's great. But like just doing it at random, such as when the apps is, has, has been a problem, um, in terms of the protecting yourself, um, you can hit the home button and by golly, if that thing stays up, then, you know, it was like a legitimate one because those run in a different process from the system. But if it goes away and it's like, aha, there you go. That was an app that was trying to trick me into stealing my data. So, uh, words of the wise on that one. And I hope Apple does some stuff to, uh, to deal with that. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do because it's, I'm a little surprised it's taken them this long to do it, but since they're so sort of focused on privacy uh, and security the topics, we just talked about, notwithstanding, those are unfortunate bugs. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they address this thoughts, yeah, comments, feedback, generally scary. Just, yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, I work in an environment where we don't have access to the cloud and we don't have access to the store. So, so depending on what, how long it's been since a certain computer has seen the Apple store, um, these kind of, uh, dialogues, you know, pop up a lot, um, to say, you know, log in and, and check your, your information. And, and like you said, I, you know, I, I would, I think I'd like to think that I tend to not just see a pop up like this and, and respond to it. I might hit cancel and look at it later, but I think the problem is that the majority of people will just blindly go ahead and do that. I mean, the windows world has demonstrated with the, you know, the, the spread of malware over the last 10 or 15 years that people blindly enter their email addresses into things or blindly, you know, get a, a phishing warning saying, Oh, you've got a virus on your system. They, they happily hit the, Oh, please fix it button, you know? And then next thing they know their, their machine is taken over and all kinds of sites are loading up. And, but what's surprising is side by side, these two dialogues, you know, the official one versus the phishing one, they look identical. I can't see it. I can't tell the difference between them. Right. So that's the kind of thing that just worries the heck out of me. Yeah. It's kind of surprising that Apple hasn't at some point introduced a, a, a custom uh, view for this kind of thing that really only they could they can make and i mean obviously with enough work someone can spoof anything but but uh you know they could they could pro they could have some kind of a check for for something like that in the approval process where if it looks too much like their custom thing they could reject it or something like that so they could make it hard to to do this kind of thing and where right now since the since it looks since the since the apple alerts look just like the standard iOS alerts and it's very easy to do this kind of thing. Yeah. yeah just kind of surprised they haven't uh, made it a little bit harder at the, by this, by this point. Yeah. And I think it wouldn't be as bad if 
I, I don't know. This is speculation on my side, but I'm assuming it's some sort of weird session handling problem because I'll compare my experience with, oh, I, I just ran into this. So with my, uh, when I removed my iPhone 6 Plus and my iPad Air 2 from my account, you know, as I, I sold those devices, um, as I would go onto other machines, I would just randomly get a, oh, by the way, like you're, you need to re-sign into your Apple ID. And I'm assuming it had something to, given the timing, that had something to do with like some sort of uh, session validation or, or invalidation in this case, based on the fact that like, the device world has changed related to this Apple ID. And like, that's not cool, right? Because like when I sign into things, you know, using like my, my Google account, like the Gmail and, and calendar and apps, uh, Google Maps and all these other things, like it doesn't just mysteriously stop working in other places and require me to re-log in if I add a new device or if I sign out from one device and, and sign into another one. So I'm hoping they can fix that aspect of it because it, it becomes sort of like, uh, given that Tim mentioned Windows, it reminds me of the problem that I want to say Windows Vista introduced uh, amongst many other things, but they had this user account control, UAC prompt that would, um, you know, your system would run in a limited user mode to, to try to avoid some of the uh, running everything as administrator problems that Windows historically had at that point. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. it would prompt you for every little thing. People would joke like, oh, you yeah. move the mouse? Guess what? <laughs> user <laughs> UAC prompt to make sure, like, are you sure? Enter your password here to make sure that this is a valid thing to do. And it conditioned users to, like, just always accept that prompt, even when, uh, like, malware would, would disguise itself and then, you know, trigger a prompt to try to get you to give it the administrative access uh, or at least uh, elevated privileges. And they ended up somehow resolving that in, in the Windows world to, to reduce that. But they, that was, like, a serious design problem they had. And I think uh, Apple has the same sort of design problem that they need to fix here, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I've forgotten about that Windows Vista thing. That was, like, on day one. They just, anytime, yeah, any anytime you move the mouse to the right, it would ask you to enter, uh, authorize that movement or whatever, you know. Yeah. The whole screen would go gray and you couldn't do anything. You were just completely blocked with this modal dialogue. Yeah, that was that was Vista. That was lots of fun. Yep, yep. Yeah. But it worries me that, like, you know, like you know, they say, like, don't click on, you get an email in your, your phishing email, right? You click here, you're something wrong with your account, click this link to go fix it. Well, that fools 90% of the people 90% of the time, right? Um, but something like this where just it's a pop-up that we're so used to seeing, you know, you know, authorize your Apple ID and it's a, just a dialogue box that pops up in the middle of the middle of the day. You're just sitting there working on your phone and for no re- no apparent reason you get this dialogue. Um, and I said, I, I wonder how many people would just would blindly just enter in their information. And, and in this case here, like you're you're on a website or something and it pops up and you don't know that that's necessarily the I, the OS uh, asking for it, right? So yeah. scary stuff. I think defense in depth is something you definitely want to follow. Um, as pointed out here in the blog post, like, you know, well, what if you have two-factor authentication enabled? And that's true. Uh, you can give that attacker your uh, Apple ID and the password to Apple ID. You know, you can put it on a t-shirt and walk around and let them have it. They, they don't have the second factor, so what does it matter? Um, unfortunately, as pointed out here, if you didn't also follow the pattern of making sure that your passwords are unique everywhere that you have passwords, um, that could be a problem, right? Okay, maybe they can't get into your Apple ID, but maybe they can get into your Google account or your bank account or any other place that you might have that. So uh, I would definitely recommend, uh, we've talked about stuff like one password and last pass before. I would definitely recommend folks use that where possible. Um, you know, your password should not be the same and 
and in this case, those services make it real easy for them to be unique. And if, you know, uh, Yahoo gets hacked as it was um, multiple times in, in the past several years, you can go in and change your password right away to something that you don't even know what it is. You don't really care what it is because that password manager handles it for you. So I think that would be part of my advice too. Can we talk about that website called I've Been Pwned? Have you guys seen that one? Not no. sure I've seen that one. Okay, I got. And I'm I got, afraid to I, go there now. Well, no, no. <laughs> so, so it, like it is. It is legit. And I, I'm just going to call it up here because uh, I, I get this. Um, I get this. E- I've got this email a couple of times now. I've been pwned, and I, I kind of reached out to some people on Twitter and said, like, is this legit? Because it looks like why would this? Why would how do you spell pwned? P O W N. It's probably P zero if they did pwned uh, the P- way it's typically P-W-N-D written. P W N D or whatever. No, P zero. P zero. WNED. Or is it put P apostrophe? Uh, I can't find it. Oh, is there no in there somewhere? Oh, I'm sorry. There's no no zero. Now that I think about it, P W N E D N E D. Okay. Yeah, I tweeted about it. Oh, here. Uh, have I been pwned? That's sorry. That's what it's called. So I got an email back in in March or May telling me that, and it, it's a website called. And I again, I questioned it um, about Bell Canada being breached. Well, I have a Bell Canada account, right? And then I got another email in August, and this is when I tweeted it out about it, and it listed off a bunch of things, and you can go check my email here I clicked on it and for me it was adobe bell discus linkedin and some other thing called online or spam bot which i have no idea what that is right so i went through i went to these particular sites and i changed my password and it tells you like for instance the adobe breach was october 2013 the bell one was 2017 here let me send you this link here uh it's have i been pwned.com i need to put it in the chat here for you guys or skype given what we've been talking about i'm full-on afraid to click this link because i'm <laughs> Almost certain it's like put in my social security number twice. Make sure there's no typos, please. Same thing with your mother's maiden name. No typos. Yeah, just like you know, you can just you can just well, you can just look at the main site itself, right? And, and just enter an email address. You enter my email address. I don't care. Like you know, uh, you guys know what it is. My email address. But you. <laughs> I have changed these passwords, so I'm not worried about you guys. But anyway, oh, no. so pwned. Oh, it says my main email was breached at Adobe. Yours? You? You or me? Me. Really? That's not good. Yeah. So you want to go over there and change that account? But I mean, like, yeah, like they're listing here, you know, B two B USA businesses, Badu accounts, Adobe accounts, LinkedIn, NetEase, MySpace, River City Media spam list accounts, anti public combo lists, exploit.in accounts. A number of them, right? So it says here two hundred. 42 possibly pwned websites, right? 4 trillion, or sorry, 4 billion pwned accounts, right? Um, I don't know what, 56,000 pastes, P-A-S-T-E-S, and then uh, 53 million paste accounts, whatever that is. Yep. Mm, so, yeah, I put in something like my email address, but not exactly <laughs> the same. Yeah. Which changes it in enough ways that I don't think a machine would fix it. And it says, good news, no pwnage found or no ownage found, which is which is good. So it sounds like it is legitimate. Yeah. And yeah. it seems as if they, they just look you up in the list to see, like, well, was it ever used in one of these uh, in these things? So the guy behind it is a guy named Troy Hunt, and he's at Troy Hunt on Twitter. He's a Pluralsight author, Microsoft Regional Director, MVP at Developer Security, Online Security, Technology. 
technology. Anyway, so he, he manages the site or runs the site or what have you. Um, yeah, because I, I questioned it. And like I said, a, a bunch of people said to me that, uh, no, this guy's legit. So, and of course, you know, I heard about it on the internet, so it has to be true, right? <laughs> <laughs> I put in what I think might be, put in what I think might be his email address on Gmail. And uh, it says he's been owned in a River City Media spam list and a modern business solutions hack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at this point, it's, it's, it's almost like we just have to accept that we will eventually be hacked and it's more about mitigation um, strategies uh, than it is like preventing it altogether. It's like limiting exposure and then dealing with the fallout. Which this is or? Yeah, I, I mean, mean this, like the- this sounds like some way to at least, I mean, the, the first step in, in mitigating things is to know that something has occurred, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it would sure would be nice to know if uh, some valuable heirloom was missing from your house in order to deal with the ramifications of that uh, rather than not yeah. knowing. Yeah, or that somebody's looking at your somebody's looking at your house to see if the doors are open or whatever. But I mean, because you know, and, and this is what I've been doing with one password is you know I don't I don't rely on a password that I make anymore. I now I now let one password generate a password for me whenever I go to register a new account. And I've gone back into like for instance the five I just talked about here. I went back in and had one password generate me a new password and I put put it in there and and uh, you know so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the next step for me actually is to is to set myself up with a. Uh, you said you've already done the online vault, right? Jaime with one password. Yes. Um, and I, so I never had less pain, less problem or. Yeah. The one thing I would say is that it, um, for my iPhone, which is why I set up the account to begin with, it, it left yeah. me with like a primary and a personal vault, which is kind of annoying. Cause I think I don't remember which is which, but, oh. um, every new password that I create on my iPhone defaults to that local vault. No, and then I have to really? move things over to the, uh. the cloud one, but everything else like on, on the, um, the iPads and MacBook pros and stuff that I have set yeah. up with it, yeah. it works seamlessly. Yeah. So I, I think it's some sort of quirk related to uh, using 1Password mm-hmm. before you've signed up for the service or something is probably what it is. Right, right. Yeah, because I thought I thought you had said it empties your account and then and then moves everything over kind of thing, right? Yeah, but there's still something weird where, and maybe I'm just doing it wrong, um, where it'll... <laughs> You're holding it <laughs> If wrong. I create a new, uh, a new password on my iPhone, mm-hmm. then I always have to remember, oh yeah, I better go back onto the 1Password app and move it to the vault that's going to be um, synced to the cloud. Sure. Yep. Scary stuff. All right, let's uh, do the next thing, which is on our list of things to do, which is where did I lose my notes here? That was the end of it, right? Yeah. Looks like we're on picks. Yeah, so let's, uh, Harmony, have a pick for us this week? Yes, this one is a tweet by Cedric Luthi. Uh, it's a useful Xcode breakpoint. When you dismiss a controller, a view controller in this case, and you don't hear a pop sound or see the log, you probably have a retain cycle. So he's got a nice little screenshot here of a symbolic breakpoint you can create where you check for the UI view controller dalloc symbol, and then you can play like a pop sound or um, log to the console when that uh, sort of occurs. And I, I tried using that, and I actually did find a retain cycle that uh, I had never noticed because I didn't it wasn't a big enough problem to actually sit through and run the um, the memory graph tool. I forget what it is, the new one that we have in, in Xcode. Uh, so a minor problem, but uh, but a problem nevertheless that I wouldn't have found if I hadn't uh, tried out this uh, tip to see if it worked. And it does. So uh, I would not recommend having it on all the time because it will literally do that every time a UIV controller deallocates. So if you have a lot of those in your app, it might drive you nuts. But if you're looking to, to try to debug something without uh, having to run that whole tool, um, worth a try. Yeah, memory graph debugger is what you're talking about so yeah so. yeah 
that sounds, you, like, you, that sounds actually pretty useful. I'm, I'm dealing with a memory leak issue right now and heavily using the memory graph tool. And uh, yeah, if I had set that up a long time ago, I probably would have known well, would have known about this a long time ago. Are you guys looking for those purple exclamation points that tell you when you've got a leak in, in the memory graph debugger? Is that how you're using it? Well, yeah, I use that a little bit, but I also use the actual graph uh, to trace out the strong references and, and figure out what's what's holding on to what. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's not perfect. It's not because there's a lot of things where it's just, it'll just say, you know, some CF dictionary you know, has a reference and it doesn't really tell you what it is. And, you know, I'm not using any CF dictionaries. It's it's all it's all stuff way under the hood. Uh, but uh, uh, at least it tells me roughly where the problem is. So you can you can track things down much more easily. Right, right. I found some kind of interesting, very interesting bugs with this. Uh, in particular, I was having an issue uh, with the in the video toolbox, the the decompressor uh, where you can you know decompress like H.264 uh, video into just raw data. Uh, I needed that to do to do some OpenGL stuff with it. Uh, and uh, it was it was weird. It was every once in a while the video would just not show up, and for for no apparent reason, it would be working great, working great, working great, and then it would just not show up. And this helped me figure out that there's because there's only a certain number of hardware decoders available. I assume it's hardware decoders. There's only a certain number of decoders available uh, for use in your app ever. I think the number is 15 or 16. Then if you're not releasing the decoders correctly, then after you've used up a certain number of them, then decompression just starts failing and you get no video. But, you know, Video Toolbox, if anyone's ever worked with it, is not exactly a verbose API in its in its error reporting. It's it's very, very cryptic. It's one of these old C-based APIs uh, and very, very cryptic in the error messages. It's very hard to tell when something's wrong or or, or rather what's wrong when something does go wrong. Uh, so it was, it was really tough to figure this one out. And I finally just, I, I actually just stumbled upon the pattern that it was, oh, this X number of these and then started using the memory graph to check it out. And I saw that, yeah, I did have a leak and it was exactly there. As soon as there were X number of these built up in the lifetime of the app, from then on, it would just stop decoding and and give a very very cryptic error message. So yeah, this, the, the, I find this incredibly useful for fixing this kind of stuff. Cool. So how about that? That's my pick. My pick. <laughs> the memory graph debugger. <laughs> <The memory laughs> <graph. laughs> yep. Right. Yep. For sure. Right. Any more picks there, Jaime? No, just the one this week. You're all picked out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I guess that's it for the week. So hey, Jaime, if people want to get a hold of you on the intro web, is where would they look? I'm on Twitter as at dev with the hair. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you, Mark R at smapsoft.com. As usual, at the top of the show, I said my name is Timitra, and I am T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitcher machine, and that's the best way to get a hold of me. All right, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. And you just listened to the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes for each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast's Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.
So, did you watch Monday Night Football, Mark? Uh, no. <laughs> Why do you ask? You didn't, you, you didn't miss uh, much during the first half of the game, that's for sure. Is the Vikings and the Bears. It was a terrible, terrible first half. It gets gets better in the second half. But uh, Tim might be talking about the Star Wars The Last Jedi trailer that came out at halftime. Oh. Which I, I was... I PVR'd Monday Night Football just for that. Man, like, hmm. it, it, so Tim, you were sitting... Oh, you PVR'd it. Okay, so I was sitting there live miserable i watched the last so 20 angry. seconds of the first half <laughs> so angry at the vikings i'm like guys why are you delaying my access to this movie trailer for the love of god <laughs> if you're not even going to try to score why don't you just down the ball and be done with it why <laughs> run out the clock it's like hey we got you know 30 seconds to go i think we'll throw a five-yard pass it's like no throw a hail mary for god's sake at least make it interesting why why are you torturing me yeah yeah i hear i saw you mentioned that too right it's funny though because I, I i tuned it in i was watching something else on tv and jonathan uh, my stepson is also uh he was actually watching the football game too not for for the same reasons i if i was watching it i would have watched it he, he tends to watch more sports than i do but um yeah because I, I sort of tweeted it or t- texted him and said uh so you know is it halftime yet and he said no no it's like not even the first first uh, uh what do you call it period what do you call it first quarter mm. quarter thank you and you break it into four so it's a quarter um yeah the first quarter hadn't even been uh finished out yet so then i, I went back to watching whatever i was watching Watching and then I came back and go. You know, so I got there just in time to, to see the, the a little bit of the recap from the first half and then this uh, trailer. I don't know if you did you notice Jaime that they cut the last frame of the of the, the trailer off. I no, was, I, I I watched the trailer on YouTube as well. I did not notice there was a difference between the broadcast and well, the, yeah, it's, I think there was a there was a screen that just flashed for like a split second, something like tickets available and then gone, and then you know they were back to the, the guys with the headsets on talking right so i've got like i said a pvr so i can probably go back and just replay that one in slow-mo and if i can see what it was but i thought it was something like you know tickets on sale now or something like that you know kind of oh yeah i mean know. sure that, that makes sense why they wouldn't put that on on the youtube uh, official site so that, that not makes on sense. the youtube but i mean yeah but but the but i'm saying like it like i think they were supposed to freeze on that for like a split second and during the broadcast and they, it was just odd that i saw that frame for like a split second and then it was then the trailer was gone right so oh it was fast enough to like look like one of those subconscious frames that you you weren't supposed to notice sort of things is that what it yeah is? or or like yeah or like they they programmed it to just cut off too soon you know what i mean like not like they like of course we got the whole trailer right but yeah just at the tail end of the trailer it was uh chopped so. right like I said, i'll go back and look at it after after we're done here when does the movie come out uh december 12th i believe hmm. i think it's the 15th i think it's, i think that's a friday because i've got tickets for the thursday right before yeah i do too so wait yeah. you've got tickets already yeah yeah tickets went on sale they like sold out already mark right around that <laughs> time like, I, I bet you could find like a 9 a.m on friday or you know some other undesirable time where you know, most people are at school or work or something sort of thing um because so i did that with thing, the force i did that with the force awakens yeah so the funny thing is it is i we had heard it was tickets were going to go on sale on monday but they weren't going they didn't go on sale until the actual commercial ran on the, the broadcast yeah i was somehow unaware that this was happening um until i saw people tweeting like oh got my tickets i was like what tickets and it jumped on fandango and it stuck me in this weird like waiting in line sort of thing you wait in line for your turn and you have like 20 minutes to buy the tickets or something and uh they kept pausing the line to be like, oh you got 20 you know 25 minutes all right well, let me just leave this web page open for 25 minutes okay it's counting down five minutes left oh we 
we've paused the line. It's like, pause the line? <laughs> they pause it for like half an hour and, and then continue on. So it probably took me like, I don't know, more than an hour, I think, overall to get these tickets. Wow. You're dedicated, man. I, I had uh, had the app open on my iPhone, my iPad. I opened up a browser window on my, my laptop and I had them all sitting there, um, even with some different movie theaters, because I noticed that some of them had shorter lines than others. So local yeah. area ones. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how things go there. Uh, yeah, my tickets are for the 14th of December. You're correct. So I'll be seeing it three hours before you, Jaime. Oh, yeah. Like when The Force Awakens <laughs> came out, I, I was not going to see The Force Awakens um, oh, really? until I, I went to go visit family in uh, in Texas mm-hmm. and then realized the day of, I was like, uh, I can't stay off the internet forever. <laughs> like I'm going to get spoiled <laughs> at some point and I'm going to be very angry. So I better just go buy some tickets. And I, I found some undesirable time tickets uh, like in yeah. the middle of the day to go. So yeah, we'll uh, it, it will definitely still be possible. Um, I'm only seeing this early because I... I can tell that, you know, just given my my social media lifestyle, I can't stay off that long. So I might as well just go see it as early as I can. Right. Well, spoiler warning, Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. (laughs) Right. What? (laughs) That that sort of thing, right? (laughs) No! The trailer looks entertaining. Um, some folks have, have thought it looks a little bit like Empire Strikes Back, which maybe it might be. Hopefully not mm. quite as close as uh, The Force Awakens was to yeah. uh, New Hope. Yeah. Yeah, it's got that sort of, there are, there's, so, it's a very leading uh, trailer, right? Like, you're right, it's got the whole Dago, Dagobah parallel and, yeah, so, and the and the betrayal, there's got to be a betrayal mm-hmm. in there somewhere, right? Yeah. But yeah, I'm they just showed the, <laughs> they just showed all the, all six movies this weekend. It was our Canadian Thanksgiving this weekend right so when's your memorial day or what, what's your ne- next holiday coming up halloween is the next holiday holiday you have halloween do you mean like holiday. like a day we we have off like what do you yeah, mean when you say holiday off. yeah 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 day off uh, that, um probably thanksgiving yeah yeah because really? the one we just passed the same day as your canadian thanksgiving was depending who you ask uh, it's either columbus day or indigenous people's day oh columbus day okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so you, you did have monday off then like last monday right i did because i work at a bank and so did uh, everybody oh, else who works at banks I, I and government stuff i work at a startup so i for sure yeah, didn't no, you don't have normal, days normal off. people don't have the yeah. day off so right, the one exactly. prior to that would have been labor day i think everybody would have had off mm-hmm. back yeah, in working September. at a startup and surprise you have weekends off mark yeah yeah sometimes i don't here okay so let's do uh, i didn't see any ask mtjc that we would want to cover okay i didn't see any at all so there was one but it was mostly just asking about mark's uh, audio mm. oh yeah so you gotta yeah, make but... sure you're like super close to that thing like uh how's this is that close enough <laughs> how close is that <laughs> that was about now about three inches away two inches maybe well, no. So, so the width of your hand is what five inches or so, right? That's what the yeah. guy recommended. In the okay, video, that's what I'm so. doing now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, it and it's definitely a tough. It's definitely a tough habit. I can listen to episodes until we're towards the tail end. I'll get a little lazy, and my back will lean into my chair, and I can tell mm-hmm. the difference yeah. in the audio uh, uh, when Tim puts it up there. I also am not facing my computer when I'm talking into the microphone, so I often turn to the computer. Yeah, turn your head. Yeah, like yeah, I am yeah. right now. Does can you hear the difference between this? Yeah, and but, but see, yes, this, I can, yeah. but, and but this? the difference, <laughs> I can, but the difference is that, that, uh, all right, well, I think I'm going to go, uh, Mr. Robot starts up again tonight, so I don't know if you guys watched that show. 
Never watched it, but I've heard good things about it. The first season's really good. The second season, the first season, yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like it has that same. It's a common pattern. If I feel with a lot of these shows that there's a sophomore slump. Um, Like I feel like I enjoyed Narco season one more. I enjoyed um, uh, Marco Polo first season more. I think I felt like House of Cards season one was better than two. Mm. Uh, I feel like the same thing with Mr. Robot. So I don't know if I'll be able to keep up with season three. I might end up having to just binge it at the end of the season or something mm-hmm. but uh, hope it goes well i haven't well. watched house of cards yet is it worth you think it's worthwhile watching in light of what's been going on lately or well <laughs> season one was amazing mm-hmm. was it uh, oh, okay okay I, I thought season two was was good as well season three was kind of the dog season it wasn't very good uh or was that season four i forget there was hmm. one season there that was just not really not very good uh, yeah. But then they had the they just had the last season and it and it was pretty good it got it got better it regained some of its so is it over now? Like so they it's done. done. Yeah, finality? it's over. Oh. Yep. Yep. Finale, eh? mm. Yep. No, 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 no. See, he, I think he's talking about series finale. It is. Yeah. It's done. See, season season five is over. That's true. But so is the series. Or House of Cards. House of Cards. Yeah, it's done. It's over. Oh really? I wasn't yep. aware of that. I figured yep. they would uh, yep. keep on going. Nope. Nope. <laughs> have you not caught up with it, Tommy? Or you just I I'm I'm, I'm gonna have to go look up on Wikipedia because I'm like, am I missing a whole season or something? Like, it doesn't make sense. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, they the ended up, gets killed. They ended up. <laughs> Wait, the IMDb well, entry doesn't no, have no spoilers, a, an ending but... date on it. <laughs> I haven't watched it, Mark. So how would I even know? Yeah. <laughs> There's no ending date in IMDb. Are you really sure, Mark? Pretty sure. Oh, I'm I watched IMDb. the last episode. I'm watching IMDb now. Was it, you sure you're given, not the given the, the way that I think, right? given the, the the last episode, I don't think it would be categorically ended. Uh, season five. Okay, okay. What they show on season five is exactly what I thought that it ended at. Okay. Uh, well, let me look this up. Well, I can tell you something about IMDb if you want me to tell you, but it'll probably spoil your. Oh wait, there are there were six seasons. Well, there is a sixth that's supposedly coming up according to this one website. Wait yeah, I feel like I would have known uh, more about. It. I feel like there would have been like more of a. Uh, a commemoration of the end of one of uh, one of those original series that Netflix, like, you guys, you know, they really put them on the map as far as creating their own content, right? Discovery. So you like the banter with Jonathan, do you? Yeah, I think he's getting yeah. more comfortable there. So oh, okay, cool. Yeah. But actually, would <laughs> reduce some stuff where I might be able to miss an episode or two, uh, as I'm about to do, without yeah, feeling yeah. like I'm leaving things uh, high and dry. Yeah, he. Well, Jonathan's one of those kind of guys. You, you can't have you can't have a Star Wars conversation with him because you, you'll you can't hold a candle to his knowledge of Dagobah and Tatooine and Yavin. I'm yeah, surprised that's I, I think, even know those names. <laughs> that's why I think it makes him effective in his uh, role as um, doing yeah, fact checking because he. Yeah. Seems to do a very thorough job. I'm like, holy smokes, have we had somebody doing that for MTJC? There's no accounting for all the errors I, I made just today, much less in all the episodes. Yeah, so. yeah. And then we had we just had him to. You know, I said, hey, do you want to just be on the show and do it live? And so he did the last two episodes live. So I mean, not correcting us live, but he went back through the previous episodes. Yeah. So but even with time codes, which is kind of weird. <laughs> it's useful though because yeah. some of those things I don't even remember saying, and I obviously said them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Right. So having a time was, like, oh yeah, 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 I actually did mess up that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now, like, we 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 need to push. Um, see, this is where we need fact checking. We need to push whatever his name is. I can see his face because I can see his Twitter handle for Ennis North. Because now that I found out that Lexa Doig is is not only Canadian but from Toronto, I need mm-hmm. to I need to get my my creep on over there and and uh, get like a selfie with her or something and. and Oh, really? Fulfill teenage Jaime's dream of hanging yeah, out yeah, with yeah. Lexa Doig at some point. Oh, she was the yeah. one from uh, that 
show based in Continuum. Vancouver, right? Continuum. Continuum. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. She was on Continuum, but I know her from Andromeda. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kevin Sarbo one. Yeah. Oh, so you know this uh-huh. lady too, uh-huh. Mark? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, not personally, but... No, no, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if when I saw her on Continuum if I recognized her from something else, but yeah, I, I know who you mean, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Also in uh, Jason X, I think the space one, right? Friday the Thirteenth. Jason X. Oh no, I haven't, I haven't seen it. I've, I've seen only a few of those movies. Yeah, apparently they're doing that one. Is it? For, is it, that's the one, Jason? Yeah, that's the one with or oh, Michael Myers. Which one is Michael Myers? That's Halloween. Oh, okay, yeah. Because apparently uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is doing another one of those. That was one of the first movie she was in. Like a reboot? Because didn't her character die in one of them? They've had well, like yeah, hey, ten man. of them. Like right? it's, it's it's the J.J. Abrams timeline or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the reboot timeline. <laughs> yeah, the J.J. Abrams universe, right? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, because I kind of got it's the Star Trek. I was thinking about that too. Star Trek uh, Discovery is almost like it, almost like it belongs in the uh, in the J.J. Abrams universe. You know, based on the uniforms and the technology and the age of the ship and stuff like that. Right. So the showrunners say different, but from what I can yeah. tell, that's only because because there's something weird with the the split in the rights between television and cinema oh, Star really? Trek rights. Really? And I guess CBS doesn't have the the movie ones, so I think they have to say that. But in my mind, I, I agree with you, Tim. It fits more in with the J.J. Abrams universe than it does with the, yeah, just from the original lens flare Prime alone, timeline. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's more lens flare in his universe. Yeah, yeah. More more Dutch angles that people stand at. So Yeah, yeah. I just don't buy the whole you can go back and go back and time and and have future tech right i mean they weren't gonna have you know high school play production values <laughs> i'll give them that one <laughs> but i guess they could have made the design a little bit closer like the well, way but that, yeah the, but the if JJ you look Abrams at the, you look at the, the uh the crossover episode on deep was it deep space nine where they did the trouble with tribbles episode where where dax mm-hmm. and wharf go back uh no D- dax and chakotay was chakotay no chakotay was uh voyager right but dax mm-hmm. and, and i think it was wharf go back and uh they're running around on the Enterprise while the Enterprise has been taken over by Tribbles, right? Yeah, okay. and so they, see, they, they, they did so put the see, t-shirts will, on them. Yeah, yeah, but they they dress. She wears a mini skirt, and and you know they dress in the you know the red and blue shirts, right? Like the original series, and and they didn't try to jazz it up. They they made the sets look like they were from that time period, right? You know, with that sixties furniture and stuff like that, right? Sure, I mean for like one episode, but I can't imagine they would do a whole series. No, it would ne- it like would that. never last. I mean, people would kind of watch it for one and go what the hell is this and move on right because but but in it's more in keeping with the art direction of going back to that time period right because how could star trek all of a sudden be so sophisticated right as it is yeah. in, in discovery well yeah. it's like Worf said about the klingons we don't talk about it from that episode you know right <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 why they have rich, rich, different ridges on their head yeah 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 was that was that, that one for, or from the movie it was it that was episode that- who is that one? Because they're the the waitress oh, oh, is like, oh. oh, oh, we don't have whatever because the Klingons had it all, and they're like, what, what Klingons? They're like, those dudes over there. It's like, those are Klingons. <laughs> oh yeah, oh right, because he, he looks different than they do, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And now Discovery has made the Klingons look even more different. So yeah, uh, I, I try not to have a grand unifying theory there. I, I just sort of accept it for what it is. Yeah. Or what about the uh, the creationist episodes where uh, Picard and a, a bunch of uh, they get together on a planet, a Romulan. 
bunch of other people, and they all explain why everybody has two eyes, a nose, two arms, and two legs across all these different different uh, planets. Yeah, where they meet the like progenitor race or yeah, or, or, or procreator. I forget what they called them, but it was yeah, like the the ones who had seeded the galaxy with the um, you know not only genetics but also like yeah. some sort of secret code that they hoped all of them would come together and and discover right. their heritage. Isn't it isn't it the people related to the character paid paid by Rene Ojibwa on um, what was it? Odo right on? Uh, I don't think they were intended to be the founders, which is what you're talking about from the Dominion yeah. and Deep Space Nine. But yeah. they do kind of look like them. Um, so I don't know. Oh, they're not the same people. I don't think so. But uh, see, this is why we need Jonathan to fact check because I don't know off the top of my head if they are. I don't think they're the same people. See, somewhere I have a somewhere I have a book. It's, it's in storage because Carol's put all my books in storage. But I have a book that actually talks about every episode of the original series, the animated series, uh, the Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. I don't think it has Enterprise in it though, right? But it talks about every sort of uh, you know race of or species of, of uh, alien and you know all the equipment. And but it's, it has a, like a short you know paragraph on every episode and who directed it and who was mm-hmm. in it. And yeah, it's interesting. It's one of those. I think it was like a 25th anniversary book you buy at the at, you know the magazine rack, right? Kind of thing. I have to dig that out at some point. Although there's probably probably websites covering all that stuff now, right? Uh, Memory Alpha has a lot of stuff, but I don't I don't feel like right, it's quite as them, yeah. Uh, it definitely has more of the nitty gritty details, but I feel like it doesn't have the same kind of uh, narrative appeal as I think I might own that same copy of what you're talking about, but I don't have it with me. It's definitely at my parents' house. I'd have to go dig it up the next time I'm there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was sort of a paperback book, right? Like a large book. Yeah. Is it largely black but in large. color and it has the Enterprise D on the cover? Yeah, it has the D on the cover. I think it had like a gold uh, trim on it and um, on the cover, and but it had color color plates inside. Like it was color or color on the inside, right? I don't think it's the same one I'm talking away. about. So probably a different compendium. Mm-hmm. The same idea, you know, everything you ever yeah. want to know about Star Trek, but we're afraid to ask. Yeah, I don't know. There's so much TV I have to watch. I'm just, you know, I don't know when I'm going to around to doing it. <laughs> to make it a witch, <laughs> have to go watch a little bit of uh, Robot, Mr. Robot, before I fall asleep. Okay, okay man. Good. Yeah, so you're not here next week. I have to find either Greg or Tammy to fill your space. Right, not next All week, right. but I'll talk to you the time after that. Yeah, okay. Ciao. Right. Okay. Bye. 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 Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.